0: Our education is, is it's non-existent. I mean, the word, a e ducare, to lead you out from the darkness to the light. Our education, when our founders knew it, was meant to make you a better man. Education today is meant to make you a more obedient subject.
1: Welcome to And If Love Remains, this is Mike Levitt, and I am absolutely thrilled to have in studio today, a good friend of mine, um, Dr. Joe Wolverton. Joey, say hi. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> it's good Happy to see you. to be you. here with you, Mike. Uh, it's good to good to have you here. I've been thrilled, been wanting to, have to do this for a while. and no, That's uh, been on me, I just haven't. Oh no! I haven't made myself
0: properly available, but finally vacation's over, and so it's all good.
1: It's all good. I'm. This is perfect timing. We can talk about a few things that are going on right now that I sure, think sure. would be great. Um, <clears throat> a little bit about um, Doctor Wolverton, <laughs> Brother Joe. Um, know. we um, he uh, uh is a graduate of BYU. Where did you go yeah. to law school? I went to law
0: school at the University of Memphis, which is where I'm. That's my hometown.
1: Okay. Okay. University of Memphis. And then uh, did you do any other postgraduate? No, just
0: after law school. Um, well, I did a, a seminar on, which is going to sound funny, but I did a seminar on the uh, tax implications of home ownership. Hey. So I, I did an extra, I guess, year of law school that most people don't do just for that reason. But then I, uh, right after law school, I started teaching at a university and did that for a year, and then got
1: uh, hired a law firm in Nashville and started practicing law. Okay, all right. And and uh, <clears throat> a couple of things. He's written a few books. One is on probably the the one of the great books on James Madison.
0: Yeah, that was my first published book. Was called "The Real James Madison," um, and yeah, it was just my attempt to. Uh, shine a different light on Mr. Madison because I'd, I'd read, I read every biography that comes out about him and it seems like too often they focus on uh, either the duplicity as they call it of Mr. Madison, which I, I call it his, his consistency, which to people that aren't consistent looks like duplicity. <laughs> um, but, uh, and also too many people focus, even one of the la- one of the latest ones, which is uh, by Lynn Cheney, she spent so many pages on his illness. Well, you know, that paints him in the wrong picture because he overcame all of that. You know, he was literally, a priest was called. He was born at midnight at his grandma's house. His dad was away on business and His mom was, as was the custom back then, his mom was staying with her mom down the road a little bit from where he lived. And the baby, he was born at midnight, and he was so small and sickly that his grandma called for the Anglican priest to come and minister last rites. And not only did he survive that night, which they thought he wouldn't, he became the last surviving founding father. So right. to paint him as a sickly man who, you know, had all these disadvantages, I, th- I thought was wrong. So, and also, you know, he's a very religious man. He came from a very religious family. His, his name or the guy for whom he was named, James Madison, the preacher, uh, the Reverend James Madison, they call him. A great member of his family. And so, but biographies don't focus on that. Uh, I think by design to try and portray those men as as deists, which James Madison most certainly was not. And um, I wanted to restore that, and I wanted to restore a bunch of the articles, uh, or essays that Madison wrote in the 1790s on a series of subjects, uh, and he was uh, confuting against the refuting Alexander Hamilton, who was trying to recreate the government based on his own. Uh, idea of what government should be. And so Thomas Jefferson famously wrote Madison a letter and said, good God, take up thy pen. And so Madison did, and he wrote a series of what they called at the time the Republican essays, Republican with a small r. Right. And they hadn't been at all reproduced in a biography for over 100 years. So I reproduced them in their entirety. And I mean, you just get blown away by the man's intellect and by his uh, devotion to liberty, individual liberty. Well,
1: I I want to ask you about that. Where, where did that, um, passion for, uh, for liberty, for the founding fathers, where did that come from in you? For me? Yeah. For me, I don't know. That's the question
0: everybody always asks. And I don't know the answer to it. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today, um, questions I don't have answers to in my (laughs) life, but one of them is that I know that, I remember being a, a really a young kid, fifth grade maybe, and I was into comic books, and I I, I used to buy the um, uh, Thor comic book and Batman and Superman. So right, I remember the back of one of the comics. They had this thing about cards you could order that were all about the the uh, Revolutionary War. And I, I asked my dad, because I, I, you know, by the time I was in fifth grade, my dad's like, if you want to buy extra stuff, you got to do so. So I would mow our neighbor's lawns. And I was a big kid at fifth grade. I was already, you know, probably nearly six feet tall in fifth grade. And so I would mow lawns early in the morning. And so I bought these cards and I just memorized them. It was all the battles and all the key players. Oh. I have no idea where it comes from. And then when I went on my mission, for example, my uncle, this is back when you could do proper uh, farewells. My uncle spoke at my farewell and he asked my mom the night before, he's like, do you have a copy? Like an uh, one of Joe's first copies of the Book of Mormon. And she's like, well, I have the one that he got when he was baptized. And so he get, I had one verse marked in it and it was about, how the Gadianton robbers had taken over the government. (laughs) And I don't know why, literally one verse. And so where it comes from, I I believe it's something I brought with me to earth. Uh Um, And so I don't remember not caring. And it's something I remember even in school, my teachers being, you know, how do you know this or why do you care about this and not having a good answer? So I, I still don't
1: have well, a I think, good answer. I think that's a great explanation. If not an answer, that's, a, that's an interesting. Um, and, 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 and I say this because not only did you write the book, but you became um, a teacher. You've, mm-hmm. you, you you've taught this stuff. In fact, one of the greatest accolades, um, credits that I can give to you is that I allow you to teach my children. Um, we uh, um, have a small homeschool group here that, um, that we invite you to come and, and teach. And I think you have several groups like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've, you've enjoyed that. Do you prefer that? Oh,
0: I, I absolutely. I taught uh, at a charter school here in Arizona for, I guess, six years, five years. Um, and I taught as much as I could. And I know that I was, uh, sent there for a purpose to find certain people, and so it was good in that way. But I was always um, handcuffed, always prevented from doing certain things. I, an example I always give is when I wrote the original uh, manuscript for the real James Madison, the publisher was insistent that it not be not contain so many religious quotes from uh, Mr. Madison. And one of the ones I snuck in yeah. was when he graduated from Princeton, which at the time was called College of New Jersey, but it's what we call Princeton. His best friend, uh, William Bradford, wrote him a letter and said, James, you're brilliant. You can be anything you want. What are you going to do? And and James Madison, he's uh, what, 21. He writes back and he says, you know, I might go into law. I might go into the clergy which back then was really the only reason you'd go to college, right? Unless you're going to be a professor, I suppose. But if you weren't in the clergy or a lawyer, why did you go to college? So he's like, I don't know what I'll do, but of all the things I might do, the one thing I'm going to make sure is that whatever I do, my name remains recorded in the annals of heaven. You know, I don't want my name stricken from the book of life. Uh, that's my most
1: important goal. Sounds like a deist to me. Yeah, exactly. Right. Very,
0: <laughs> very deistic. But, and so that's the sort of thing. And so be finally, when I made the decision, a very difficult decision financially above all things, I suppose, was to leave the, the charter school was, I'm only going to teach homeschool kids because I can, I, i I'm doing education the way the founders did it. You know, James Madison's dad, they were not wealthy people. We were taught to think they're wealthy. They weren't wealthy. They they had a lot of land, but they couldn't put their hands on a lot of cash. So James Madison's dad got with other dads in the area and they hired a teacher. And this teacher taught them about the history of Rome and Greece and uh, their Latin historians and uh, basic things like that, English history. And, um, he was accountable to Mr. Madison, Mr. Taylor, right. uh, all of these, you know, Mr. Clark, uh, all of these men, he was responsible. And that's the way I wanted it. I wanted to know if I was presenting, offering a, a valuable, uh, a valuable lesson by whether or not people would pay me to do it because as a teacher at a charter school, I'm going to get paid the same every two weeks, whether I'm teaching powerful, inspiring lessons or not. Right. I could phone it in. We could sit there and we could have watched a video every day and I'm still going to get the same amount of money. Today, if I don't teach something that people want their kids to learn, then I'm going to have to do something else.
1: Well, and having sat in a few of your classes, it is a unique experience. It's a, it's a, um, and nothing, nothing like anything I took in a yeah. high school civics oh, class um, or a- <laughs> yeah. nor nor I you know, I tell the kids
0: that I, I one of the books we read is uh, Algernon Sidney's Discourses Concerning Government, which was known as the textbook of the of the Revolution. It's one of the, you know, five books that Jefferson Madison said anybody had. You had to read to understand America. And um, you know, John Adams or Jefferson said, as soon as a boy is old enough to understand the written word, that book should be placed in his hands. you know. And so it's one of the books we read. When I was given this, and it's a long story of how I got there, but when I got to the point where uh, it was to me that these were the things I was supposed to teach, it took me five years to read Discourses Concerning Government because I didn't understand it. And you, I, you know, I could prove it to you. I have sitting right next to me here on the table the the original copy that I had, and I used a digital copy when that became, you know, uh, available. And it took me five years. It takes some of these kids five weeks. Wow! But and you see, that has nothing to do with me. I, I offer them discourses where otherwise they wouldn't know what it was. But the fact that they understand it and, and can read it in five weeks—that has to do with them and with and with God, frankly.
1: Yeah, that, I. I concur. I I hear what you're saying. Um, you've written a new book and I want to talk a little bit about, um, what degree of badness, which is Madison's method to make America States again. Right. Um, and I want to get into this. I think this is a very timely, more timely than probably you suspected when you wrote it. That's true. (laughs) Yep. I mean, this is a great book. Um, I want to ask you though, kind of more fundamentally, your view, um, happened to be in your class today. And, um, you, you talked about having not having contempt for the founding generation, yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of views today on the founding ven- generation. Um, part of it is because we're so removed because we don't read right, right. Um, this stuff. Um, so it, it runs the gamut of almost deification on one mm-hmm. end, yeah. To um, they're nothing but white slaves mm-hmm. or you know slave, slave owners, owners yeah. on the other end to. Um, the Constitution is nothing but mm-hmm. a um, uh, crony, capitalistic mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. to for yeah. it to get the yeah. uh, the you know to get to get the, all the debt paid off and have mm-hmm. everybody um, uh, make a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> on the side, yeah. um, and so and part of it I think is is we when we say the founders because we don't read enough we clump these founders into one big. Mm-hmm basket like it's the same person right right and so we don't understand all the all the interesting um individuals that were in there so i, I want to get to your general take who were the if you were to describe the average i don't know the i'm going to group them all together but but the founding generation what made them unique were they unique what was What is your take on on that? I think when we say,
0: like when I say founding fathers, and I've defined it because for the book that's coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, the Founders Recipe book, I I say in there, I define, when I say founding fathers, I'm defining that as men who participated in any of the Continental Congresses, the Stamp Act Congress, um, the Declaration of Independence... Uh, and the constitutional convention or any of the state ratification conventions okay so to me I count those and they overlap right right many of them overlap so there's give or take and and I could pull up the exact number but that I used but in my in my estimation in the way I sort of my taxonomy there's about 200 men who I call founding fathers okay now they there are even within that 200, there are what I call the varsity and the junior varsity, right? right? There are guys who, if I said, name a founding father, everyone would say his name. There are other guys who, if I said, name a founding father, these guys would never be named, but at the time of the founding, they were well-known and were influential.
1: I think about that even like the Bible, if you even have like your Mm -hmm. name said once in the Bible, you were probably a pretty prominent, important dude. (laughs) Precisely. Precisely. That's exactly the same thing. And so, yeah. You're saying that today we see them as
0: monolithic and I can tell you in my opinion and having studied it, and it's not just an opinion. I, you know, people like to attack me and say, well, you're, you're trying to look at this from one angle. And I really am not. I, I wanted to go in originally and I don't want to deify these men, mainly because these men themselves that don't deify us. Right. And so, I wanted to find out the iron, you know, the, the, the feet of clay, so to speak. And, um, when I went in and to see what, you know, why they are so unique. The thing I came to Mike was education. When at the time of the so-called civil war, uh, Abraham Lincoln created a federal office of education that just, you know, once the, the, the muscle of tyranny develops in a government. It never atrophies. It only grows. You never have the muscle. You have to cut it out. Yes. You have to physically, right. You have to physically cut it out. So it grew and grew and grew. And my, and by the time the, you know, with all the attempts in the 1800s to foist upon the United States, the Prussian model of, we're not trying to make enlightened people. We're trying to make good workers. Uh, by the time that became th- uh, the norm across the country, the the notion that we were ever going to have a generation like our founders was gone because we weren't going to read what they read. We weren't going to be taught the way they were taught. We were taught by bureaucrats. We were going to be taught all from the same books, which frankly drink downstream. We read what somebody thought about what somebody else wrote about what somebody else did. Hmm. That's what I, you know, what others greater than me, what I always repeat is that's drinking downstream. Yeah. And the water down there is mucky and who knows what's in it, but we drink from it because we're told that's the water, that's where you get water. So what made them special? They grew up at a time when their education, when education was still, and that was, you know, from Athens onward, that was a responsibility of your parents. If you were, if you were brought to the earth by a man and a woman, that man and a woman took responsibility for feeding you, clothing you and educating you. It was nobody else's responsibility. And when that went away, when it went to the point where I'm going to, the government forcibly takes money from one man to educate giant air quotes the 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 child of another scare quotes yes scare <laughs> quotes. when that became the norm, then we never learned anything that made these men who they were and we didn't learn the truth about who they were i've I've done the experiment in my charter school classroom to because these companies would send me textbooks to use and I would show them this is what the textbook says because I would use only primary and secondary documents. And I would show them on the screen so we could all learn and see that it was true. And they didn't have to think, is Joey lying to us? Is he trying to make us believe a certain way? No, I want you to drink right from the source. And they could see for themselves, here's the book you'd be using if I wasn't here. And here's what they tell you. And here's what we read them in themselves. That makes a big difference. And you, you come to see that the things that so many people see as black and white were more nuanced to the founders because they were, frankly, wiser and better educated than us.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot um, that we miss from from not knowing the stories and not knowing who these men were. Um, and again, it's not. It's almost like um, not trying to to dismiss any of their faults or no. dismiss and, and the fact that they had fights and and disagreed with one another and had, you know. Um, and, I, you know, I open the book with the fight
0: that Patrick Henry and James right. Madison had. Right. Those are two men that I look up to. And frankly, in the, in that argument, I think Patrick Henry was right. Right. But that's because I'm standing 200 and something years farther down the road at the time, you know, Madison, what Madison says, and even to this day, makes sense and could be, like I say, his method to make America states again, he could save us from our problems. But Madison and Patrick Henry were both varsity squad founders. They disagreed with each other. Right. On
1: many things. I want to read, um, this is from page seven of the book, um, This is uh, from chapter two. Madison cannot be convinced that Americans would ever debase themselves to become subjects to arbitrary power, too lazy to reclaim their hard won won liberty from, quote, from the hands of their oppressors, end quote. These heirs of the revolution would never be brought to a state of, quote, blind and tame submission to the long train of insidious measures, end quote, and and would result in an and an all-powerful federal authority and the obligation of the states as sovereign powers. Um, this idea that Madison could not imagine an American people that would um, give up their rights that would that would see the fact that he thought that the American people would always see through the 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 veiled. Um, uh, uh, Entrances, the 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 uh, pleadings, the the um, the the veiled ways that, that people use to bring tyranny to us. Right. Um, he thought that for sure, according to what I read, that that we would see right through it. Yeah. What what why, where was he wrong? Well, or was he wrong? He he wasn't
0: wrong for his generation. <laughs> uh, he was wrong in that we didn't remain. Educated and virtuous, he, he genuinely believed that we as an American people had such an experience, such a history, such a culture, that nothing would ever be able to pry us from the liberty that we had enjoyed, lost, and reclaimed and he he says it in his in in the federalist he's like there it's impossible you know patrick henry is saying this government that you've created in this constitution will swallow up the liberties of the people and the states why did he say that what were what were his arguments that that patrick the, henry yeah oh well patrick henry says you've got nearly unlimited taxing authority you have got a government that is going to be one system of law for such a disparate people. How can you expect to have one set of governing standards from people all the way from, you know, New York to, to Georgia? Mm -hmm. How could that be possible? And he said, so you have that, you don't have any overt, any, any, Obvious protections for certain liberties, you know, because Patrick Henry was in favor of a Bill of Rights. Right. And he's he said, so you have unlimited taxing power. You've created another layer of government that has impact on the individual, which we never would have accepted. And he said, you have no overt protections for basic liberty. And he said, that is the recipe for disaster. For ultimately, tyranny that saps, as he would call it, the manhood of America, and and what would what did Madison
1: what was his rebuke?
0: Madison elect? was, what degree of madness? How right. crazy do you think we would have to be? There's no way he says in the Federalist that that Americans would see this deluge of despotism. Right, they would not stand out in the rain knowing that the rain was toxic and that the toxic rain was being created by a tyrant and continue to fund the tyrant. But that's exactly what we do. And Madison, he said, that will never happen. And so
1: so he says that would never happen. And yet there are, he does give, or or um, the Constitution gives solutions on when that happens, what we should Whoa, do. He Not the Constitution. See, that's or, his thing. Not overtly in the
0: Constitution, not explicitly. But he says, let me, let's pretend, he says. And he said, let's right. pretend that somehow we've all gone crazy. Here are ways that, even with this Constitution in force, we could still... Force the federal beast back inside his constitutional cage. He says there are remedies that are powerful, as he called them, powerful and at hand, meaning easily, easily uh, used, easily employed. And those are what I go on in the book, not only to say, so the book, you know, it starts with here's the things Madison said would never happen, and here's the fact that they happened. Yeah. And then, but I end the book with, there's hope. And the hope is, here's what he said. Here's what he said, if those things were to happen. Now, yes, he believed they wouldn't, but a wise, as a wise man, he said, let's suppose for whatever reason, Americans lose their love of liberty and lose their virtue. Here are the, the ways that they can reclaim
1: it. Well, and the first way that we can reclaim it is by... Buying your book. Uh, was, <laughs> um, that'd be nice. Yeah. What Degree of Madness, Madison's uh, method to make America states again. Where can we find the book at? Uh,
0: Amazon. Amazon? It's, yep. Just Amazon. I think it's uh, $14.99. All
1: right. like that. Yeah. And then tell me about this new project you're working on, the the Founders Recipe book. Well, I want to end up really quickly oh, yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. With, the, with the What Degree of Madness, just
0: to say that when I wrote this it was pre-plague. Oh yeah. I want right? to talk about that. Thank you. And yes. that much of the things I say are like, these are things we could do. Now it seems like these are things we have to do. Thank you.
1: Yes. Yeah. And uh, this in fact I'm going to set what I was going to say to the side. And I do want to talk about that. Cause I think it's vital for people to know what, what if there's a one or two, th- I said, one thing is read your book. Yeah. But what's one or two things that our listeners can take away to say, okay. What can I do? I, I, I'm i starting to see, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable right. with governors having unlimited power mm-hmm. to do whatever they want and nobody right. speaking up. And, and you know, so, uh, and, and, and a lot of other things that are going on when it comes to riots. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing mayors that are obfuscating their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Then we're seeing the federal government going in yeah, yeah. and taking over. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of really crazy things that. Six months ago, we would have thought this is the end of the world if we saw it. So if people who are starting to feel uncomfortable are starting to feel like uh, there's some problems that I need to try to solve, what are a couple of things they can do?
0: Okay. The first will probably seem people are going to roll their eyes when I say it because they always do. But after you roll your eyes, roll them back the other way and really close your eyes and think about what I'm saying. The first and most powerful step toward reclaiming our liberty is to restore our personal virtue. We, if we are going to have free communities, we must have, as the founders would say, there is no liberty without virtue. Well, that applies to you as an individual and to us as a country. So if you want to have A free country, you need a free state. If you want a free state, you need a free city. If you want a free city, you need a free neighborhood. If you want a free neighborhood, you need a free home. So then you just apply the word virtue. In order to have that freedom, you must have virtue. It's the, as the, as the Latins would call it, the sine qua non, the without which nothing. Mm -hmm. There is no liberty without virtue. It's one of the little, I have a wristband that all my students end up uh, ordering. It says, you know, it's white for virtue. It says,
1: there is no liberty without virtue. Can we can we define virtue a little bit? Virtue, well, it's... Because I think of, that's a word people you think about yeah. religiously, like, they don't it, think about what that means. Well,
0: virtue, as the founders knew it, it comes from the Latin virtu, which means uh, it's from the same root vir, meaning man. So, virtue meant manliness. Now, I know many people out there will be like, well, what about if you're a woman? You know, It basically means Courage to do the right thing when it's hard. You know, this morning with your kids and with uh, another family, we read where Algernon Sidney said, you know, the thing that kept Rome free for so long is that people were willing to be virtuous when being virtuous was punished, was nearly impossible. And so that's, being virtuous just means doing the right thing when it's difficult. So it, it can be religious. And in my opinion, should be, I, mm-hmm. I think most of the founders would have told And again, this is where we get not monolithic founders, but someone like Sam Adams, for example, someone like John Adams would have said, you're not going to have a free people, a virtuous people without the underpinning of, of religion. Right. And I agree with that. But even if you don't, I'm, I'm in a camp with a bunch of people who don't agree. I have people that uh, are on, my side of this discussion that are atheists. Now, I don't think that that will last, but for right now, the point is doing the right thing, doing that which maintains liberty in the face of all other things. So there is no liberty without virtue, meaning you can't be free unless you want good for yourself and for others. And so what you do is My first step, back to your question, the first step is square yourself away with your own personal virtue. And then if you're a parent, square your family away. Make sure your home is a home governed by virtue. Uh, And that will make you an example. Mike, if we had all the people who claim to worship Christ try their very hardest To live the gospel of Christ in their home, we wouldn't be having this discussion. So the first step, restore virtue to your home. Uh, After that, the step is find, do what you can to find like-minded people. Because ultimately it's going to come down to, we're going to have to divide into smaller societies of people that agree on basic principles. Because all of the fighting in our country now is because we are so disparate. We don't share principles. And that's okay. We don't share principles. Why must we be gathered together under one banner when that banner means something different to all of us? And to some of us, it's it's a, a banner that represents slavery, that represents oppression. That's fine if you feel like that. I would die for your right to have your own society where you never had to speak of George Washington. I, that's fine with me. Take your people. Here's some land. Do your thing. And I'm going to do likewise, but I'm going to teach a
1: story of the the virtues of Washington. And then we don't fight anymore. I think that's, I think that's a powerful statement. I think that people, um, I had a conversation with, with somebody close to me, um, or I was trying to explain, um, that we're talking about op- whether it, schools should be opened or shouldn't right. be opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, during right now we're recording during the coronavirus 2020 opus, whatever <laughs> we're right, in the exactly. middle of this crazy, but, um, my uh but she was saying that people uh that we need to keep the the people safe and we need to keep the schools closed and and you know as a homeschooling dad that doesn't affect me directly yeah. but it does affect me in the sense that my neighbors maybe want to go to school there may be teachers that want to teach at school right and they should be allowed that freedom to make that choice
0: yeah i mean that that's part of the thing. I, I I wish the schools would stay closed so long they 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 fall into decay. The very right, buildings. I'm with you. There. <laughs> you know, but I'm also in favor of all this money that's taken from me by force to provide salaries for teachers and electric bills for school buildings and you know six figure salaries for school superintendents. I say give that money back to me. And let me provide for the education of my child. Now, I'm not saying, Mike, you could teach your kids. I couldn't teach them, but I can teach them things you can't teach them. And that's how, think about it. I don't understand why people don't want that society. I won't be good teaching my children math, but I've got plenty of people in my life that could, and I'd be willing to pay for their time, right? For them to do that. And then you get your kids... Your kids' teachers are accountable to you. Right. How how do you ever think that it makes... Because someday, it's my opinion, that you as a father and, and your, your wife, you'll sit down across a little table like we are, but on the other side of that table will be Jesus. And you're going to have to explain to him what your... You're going to have to defend your actions of what you did with the children that he gave you, and that that's going to be an uncomfortable conversation. If if your best excuse is, "Well, I had to go to work, so I had to send them somewhere," right? It was the only option for me. When you know that you you (laughs) have, I taught hundreds of kids in the charter school. I maybe knew three families personally. So I could have been in there teaching any number of incorrect and divisive lessons and no one would have ever known. And that's disturbing to me, you know, and that's why I think there's going to be, and as Brother Sidney said, there's going to be a group of people who aren't raised in that environment who will come to help save us all and so the the idea is we we need to disabuse ourselves of the notion that just because 200 and something years ago our fathers were able to form this union that we must stay with it because we we aren't our fathers children We don't learn the lessons they learned. We don't, we don't live the lives they live. We know nothing of agriculture. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: James Madison, Jefferson, Washington, those men were farmers. You say what you want, but they knew how to run a farm. We, we don't, you think Donald Trump would know how to, and there's no slam on Mr. Trump. It's just, I wouldn't know either. Do you know when to plant corn? Do you know what, month to plant it? What month to cultivate it? Well, no. Right. So we don't live the lives our founders lived. We don't learn the lessons our founders learned. We're not frankly capable of maintaining this union that they created as we are. Now, is it possible to hang on a generation and there arise a generation that can take over and restore and teach and be virtuous enough and wise enough to do that. Maybe, but that's neither here nor there to us. Cause me and you will be gone. Right. But what's important for us is to plant the seeds. There you go. <laughs> be, v- get your home squared away and then
1: go and find like-minded You know, people. and you, you've said a word several times that I've heard in other places, um, restore. Yeah. Um, there was the, the, I've, um, heard it um with you probably four times in this discussion yeah. alone um I heard it in in um and I can't remember the gentleman's name he was a um another historian talking about um restoring the meaning of the declaration mm-hmm. which I think is important right um I think that's something that's misunderstood um oh, my the, you know the the banner of my website
0: is the declaration not the constitution because you can't possibly understand the Constitution until you until you understand
1: the Declaration. The Declaration is the heart of what we're it's all about. Question, the, the Constitution is is just the, I don't know the 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 the, um, policy book. The no, you know that, the,
0: no, it's exactly the right. General the, handbook of the Declaration is like
1: the Bible, and the Constitution is the you know the the general handbook of instruction. Right, yeah, and so in order to understand, and I think that's that's. Especially when we get into um, legalists, you know, people who are trying mm-hmm. to break the Constitution, and we see right. that every day. Right. Um, you know, they do it on legalistic bounds. They, they don't understand natural law. They don't understand they they, they that the con- the Constitution was written, uh, just just like the federal government was created by the states to fulfill some yeah. some needs. Right. The Constitution was created. Um, in lieu of was the the child of the declaration. Well, that's, and in the book, What Degree Man,
0: I explained that the federal government, there's a concept in law called uh, principal agent. And the federal government is the agent, the employee of the principals who are the states. The states created this position called federal government, and it's meant to pre- perform a certain act. And if it doesn't, And its acts are, as Hamilton, a man whom I almost never quote, (laughs) Hamilton said, null void and of no legal effect. He said, it is a usurpation and deserves to be treated as such, which he didn't believe, but he wanted the Constitution to be ratified, so he said that.
1: And what he said was true. So. Wasn't that why Aaron Burr got in a lot of trouble is because he kept going to the Western States saying, Hey, you guys can secede. You guys can do
0: what you- <laughs> Ultimately, that's why Aaron Burr went on trial for treason was because, you know, man, that's that's a show of another time. <laughs> Aaron Burr is one of these guys that fascinates me. When I was a younger guy, I was like, man, Aaron Burr has all the ingredients to be a varsity founding father. And he's lost to history. Because of certain things that happened, but he, yeah, Hamilton didn't like it because Aaron Burr is like, what Madison and Jefferson are saying makes a lot of sense, but that's here, right. About. but um anyway, sidetrack. the what, were we, what was this oh, the so the principal agency, yes, so if i if I hire a an, a personal assistant in the law, that is called my agent, and I'm called the principal. Now in real life it's boss and an employee. Right. But in the law that's called principal and agency. If I I will have a contract with my agent and I have I literally have an agent. And he is allowed to book me for speeches on and I list the topics and he has to book me in only Marriott hotels, right? And certain, and I never speak on the Sabbath. And so let's say that my agent's name is John. Let's say John books me to speak uh, a pro-abortion on a Sunday, right. staying at a Best Western. Yeah. Would anyone listening to us right now think that I was obliged to do that? No, you're the boss. You're <laughs> no, it would. It's laughable. It is laughable. But when the federal government, who is meant to be the employee of the states, tells the states, hey, you have to enforce certain regulations or you don't get some of your tax money back. Most people say, well, that's right. Yeah, that's constitutional. It's
1: ridiculous. So let's talk about that because obviously there's going to be a lot of people listening to this screaming, what about the supremacy clause? What about the, you know, (laughs) so discuss that. Why is that not a valid argument too? Okay.
0: Can we, I I always have this little constitution with me so we can see why it's not a valid... Just so people don't I I hate when people think Joey's just freestyling his stuff. And right. He just wants us to see things his way. I do want you to see things, but it's not because it's my way. It's because it's true. And and I had to I had to come to it. I was a, a good little Republican. I I campaigned for George Bush senior. That's right. my first job in politics. Oh wow. And then, you know, he goes and but I didn't, you know, at the time I'm like Republicans. Well, but that's so the thing, have
1: you to, have to know that you got re- yeah, to read it, it the takes, book, as Jim Rohn says. That's right. It
0: takes, <laughs> it, there you go. Uh, article six. So this is the, the so-called supremacy clause. It's the second clause of article six. Uh, the Constitu- This constitution and the laws of the United States, meaning the laws made by Congress, which shall be made in pursuance thereof. And all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, meaning the federal government, shall be the supreme law of the land. Now, there's the phrase that everybody glides right over, and that's in pursuance thereof. The Constitution and the laws made by Congress are the supreme law when they are made in pursuance of constitutional authority. It does not say when made—it doesn't say—he doesn't leave out that phrase. It doesn't say the Constitution and all laws of the United States are the supreme law. Right. The Constitution and the laws of the United States are the supreme law when made in pursuance of the limited authority of the Constitution. So when made in violation thereof, you have no promise. Hmm.
1: Yeah. It's not— what would be an the example law. of that? Can you can you think of an example of of where the it would be right for them to say no the 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 law given by the by the federal government is correct is correct is correct. Yeah. What, oh, well, what would be an example of that? Um where where we well, follow that to the
0: right where it says that um Well, if you look at Article 1, Section 8, right, that's the list of congressional powers. Well, even other things, let's say president, because he's the highest profile. Okay. The president can nominate Supreme Court judges. Right. And he does. And the Senate is supposed to confirm them with advice and consent, and they do. Now, it may be a bit more of a circus, but that's constitutional. President Trump says, I want, you know, Judge Gorsuch to be— uh, a, a Supreme Court or what, what's the Kavanaugh? I want Kavanaugh to be a Supreme Court justice. That's that's constitutionally sound. You couldn't say he can't do that. So, Nevada couldn't come and say, no, no, right, no, no, right. no, no. We, we don't, don't want Kavanaugh. Right. We don't recognize him as part I of mean, the I mean, Supreme- I guess they could if they wanted to just leave the union, which is their right, but, that, but, but, but they wouldn't be constitutionally sound to right, say to stay with Trump. can't nominate Kavanaugh. Right. That because makes sense. Because in here, in Article 2, all you see is you can nominate judges. That's it. So you do, you nominate judges. Now, when President Trump signs an executive order that says bump stocks are now machine guns, that's not constitutional. Right. Because it's not within the powers given to the president. And so if we allow the president, the Congress, the Supreme, the Supreme Court can't make do you notice what isn't listed in Article Six? The Constitution, the laws of the United States. But what's never listed, Supreme Court Supreme opinions.
1: Supreme <laughs> right.
0: No, Executive but, but orders. You laugh, but yeah, shouldn't we teach our kids this? Absolutely. Shouldn't we be teaching? Do you know, Mike, I went to law school and had a whole year of constitutional law. We never cracked open the Constitution. That's shocking. When I, one of the first days, asked if we could read one of the Federalist papers in regard to something we were talking about— The whole class turned on me. They were like, dude, let's just get through our stuff. We don't need to, right? But you notice in here, there's no list of executive orders. There's no list of bureaucratic regulations. There's no list of Supreme Court opinions. Do you think for a minute that James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, if the Supreme Court made an opinion saying, Every state must recognize the, quote, right of same-sex couples to be legally married. Whether they agreed with that philosophically, there's no way you think that they would be like, I guess we have to do it. I mean, Jefferson made that so clear when he's like, we did not establish a black-robed oligarchy. Right.
1: But do you realize, Mike? You know what? Okay, I gotta stop you right there yeah. for a second because I think just that one phrase is, I think, will shock a lot of people because they because we live in a world of Bossa Nova, New Wave, everything is new. We don't remember anything past a generation a black row think that the the founders never thought about this like they never thought that the supreme court could overset their bounds or they never oh, yeah. thought that the president would, would want to act as a king yeah. or that the legislature would just you know give up i think it's interesting that that these are things that were literally thought about and discussed and argued about right but they knew that from history
0: they knew that the the praetorian guard became the de facto electors of the rulers of Rome. They knew that the star chamber in England was used to oppress political dissidents. So they had experience from history. They, they read history. They knew what to anticipate, but we don't read real history. So we have no idea what to anticipate or why, but yeah, I mean, you think about it. You had a state, even a state like California, California passed an amendment to its constitution saying marriage was the union of a man and a woman that's right california right. the people's republic of california <laughs> passed that and then five people 3000 miles away from sacramento five people said no it means any two adults and the next day Every county in California was offering marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Mike, one of the famous things that kids love that I say is, tyrant's going to tyrant. It's what they do. The Supreme Court's going to violate the Constitution. So what? That doesn't matter to me. The, the real issue in that is, why did those millions of Californians obey the opinion Five octogenarians Mm -hmm. that's a great question what's what david hume says this is the great mystery of history how the few come to command the many
1: wow that's that i gotta think about that because that is that is a um a pattern that we see over and over mm-hmm. and it's, it's complacency by the main, many, many times.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would argue it's a lack of virtue and and ignorance as well. Yeah. We don't know enough to say how many in your neighborhood, if you walked around and did a poll and said, uh, how many of you can name the things in the constitution described as the Constitu- as the Supreme law of the land? How many people could could tell you five of the actually listed powers of Congress? How many people could right. tell you which article the Constitution controls the legislative branch? Oh, right. Yeah, I mean. But I, and this is the thing. How many could tell you the name of one Supreme? Let's say, let's be generous. How many could name three Supreme Court justices? Versus how many can name every one of the members of the Kardashian family. (laughs) We see what's important, right? That's gallows humor. It's like, and I'm not trying to exalt or inflate the importance of the Supreme Court justices. What I'm saying is our education is, is it's non-existent. I mean, the word a ducare to lead you out from the darkness to the light. Our education, when our founders knew it, was meant to make you a better man. Education today is meant to make you a more
1: obedient subject. You know what I think on that? I think we're going to take a, a pause. Again, this is Mike Levitt with And If Love Remains. Um, talking to Dr. Joe Wolverton, his book, What Degree of Madness, Madison's Method to Make America States Again. You have a website coming soon.
0: It's up now, and you can get a few things on it, but it's uh, by the end of this week. uh, So let's say Monday, a week from today, it should be... much more functional than it is. It's not like fully <laughs> functional, but we should, it's uh teacher of Teacher of Liberty. Yep. Liberty.com. We'll have, we'll have uh, the books for sale. We'll also have uh, some merchandise for sale. I have t-shirts that. Uh, you are, do have the best t-shirts. Yeah. The t-shirts are pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've had students send me, you know, I I'll look, I'll go to people's houses and they'll have their family portrait and there'll be some of their kids in these t-shirts and, I'm like, my dad never would have let me wear a (laughs) a cheeky t-shirt in our family portraits. But anyway, yeah, that'll be so teacherofliberty.com. And it'll be schedule of classes that I'm teaching and how to get in touch with me and also the books and the merchandise. And uh, yeah, the new book, because the new book is coming out in two weeks, the (laughs) founder's recipe. I just, while we've been sitting here, got the PDF
1: proof of the- Thing. So that's exciting. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a powerful thing because I know that's a, that's a true labor of love. I know for you has Mate, been the that's found- literally Mike, the re this is going to sound silly to many people,
0: but you will understand what I'm saying by this. That is literally the reason I was put on the earth was to produce that book. Um, and it's getting close to where, let's say maybe not put on the earth period, but certainly the reason I was sent to Arizona. Yeah, was to be put in a position to make that and to offer it and now say, you know, there you have it. If you want it, it's there. If you don't, that's fine, too. But if you want to raise up your kids to have the sort of wisdom and understanding that our founders had. There you go. Here's a turnkey book where
1: you can help them get a little bit closer. Well, I'm excited to have you again on Talk About That Book. Um, you can, We can also find you on YouTube. Yeah, Teacher of Liberty
0: on YouTube. I have several videos. There'll be another one uh, available tomorrow uh, on much about much of the things we've been talking about today is what the idea of how, what does it mean to be a people? What does that mean? We are a people, you know, we, the people, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. What is a people mean? And, and I'm just going to, again, for you who have ears to hear you will hear. I'm just going to present what the men who influenced our founders, what they taught our founders about what it means to be a people and how it applies to us and how understanding
1: that can help us maybe solve a few of the problems that we've can't wait to, to check it out. And I hope all of you will check out his work. Um, again, Dr. Joe Wolverton, teacherofliberty.com. And this has been And If Love Remains. We'll see you next time. Thanks again.